please welcome your pastor to the stage. All righty. Give the worship team a hand. And those watching online, come on, church. Praise the Lord. Wow. I want you to know that we were able to help uh, the folks last week with the Shea Packs. And so, Carla, thank you for your work with the homeless in our community. And they'll be keeping us informed on how we can help in the future as well. So God loves all people. Amen. That's why Grace Church is for all people. Uh, and, and just greetings. We're so glad that you're out. We're glad that, uh, that you're here. We're glad for those who are watching online. Thank you for, for tuning in. We have a, a really just a, a kind of an authentic word today. We're going to um, go off script just a little bit and kind of talk about just the movement of the church in general, not Grace Church, uh, although we may be part of it, but just the movement of how uh, the world works and how things work inside the world. And so uh, we'll talk about that. Someone asked me about the discipleship class. Is it going to be like foundational? Is it going to be entry level? Is it going to be a little bit you know, more advanced? Yes, yes, and yes. It'll be a little bit of all. Uh, if you're a new believer, you really need to jump in because it's important that we get discipled. If you're a seasoned believer, uh, it'd be good for you to jump in as well because it'll be stuff there that you uh, will pick up on and learn. And we, we get stuck sometimes in rituals. We get stuck sometimes in thinking, well, this is just how it has to be. The author of this book, John Stott, uh, was a lifelong pastor, pastored, I think, for over 60 years, wrote numerous books. I don't know if it was 30, 40, or 50 books he wrote. And in 2009, he wrote this book, uh, and he said, at the, at the end, I now lay my pen down. This will be the last book I wrote, right? And he died about a year and a half later at the age of 86, so he was well-seasoned. But there's a lot of meat there. And if, if you'd like to get a book, please get one. If you don't, uh, can't get it, don't have it, the means to get it, see me. We'll help you get one. Or if you just think, you know, I'd rather learn by hearing than by reading, then just come on out. But please sign up because it'll be a really good discipleship class. It will be downtown. There will be prayer from 6 to 6.30, and then 6.30 to, to 7.30 will, will be the class, and then we'll, we'll go home. You have time to get your kids to bed or, or whatever. I think we're going to have some nursery as well available, so if you have kids and you like, you know, I can't take care of them, we'll take care of the kids. We'll have uh, young people upstairs. We'll have little people downstairs, and, and we'll be in the back uh, coffee shop area. We will have some coffee, at least some pump pops. So I challenge you. To come on out for those eight weeks and learn what God has for you, especially after you hear today's message. Uh, one person said, uh, who was in the first service, said, I like when you're a little raw and unedited. <laughs> the, uh, the second service, I tend to edit things a little bit. The first, the first service crowd, I just kind of unleash. Uh, and I have a tendency to do so more when Janie's downstairs, which is where she's at uh, today. She kind of gives me the look every now and then, and I'm supposed to be behave, but uh, there's no look today, so you're just going to get it however it comes out. Is that all right? All right, so that's, uh, that was an underwhelming minority, but that's okay, too. The, the, the rest of you will just have to endure and come back next week. We'll have a happy service next week. So I'm going to pray. Uh, we'll leave a scripture up there because it's kind of the meat of where we want to get to. Uh, and I do thank you for coming out. Thank our guests. Thank you, uh, the families, for the, the dedication. Uh, God's doing some cool things on earth today, and we just want to be part of it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. 
Thank you that it is truth and loving, grace-filled. Help us, Father Lord, to receive that what you have for us today as we open up your word, as we read from it, as we talk about a few things. Lord, let us just be inspired, Lord, by your word. Uh, use us, Father Lord, to deliver what you have. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. John 1, 12 through 14, uh, but to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, who became his, his name, that's the Christ, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, a lot of translations will say son of God as if it were pertaining to removing daughters, but it says son because in the culture of the day this is written, only the sons could become heir. And so it's, all, it's really son and daughters, but if you're a daughter or a son of truth, of God, of Jesus Christ, then you're, you're welcome to become an heir. This is important because by becoming an heir, you have right, you have authority, and you have power to become that to become what God has called you to be. And so we're not stuck then in the past. We come up to the present, and then we have a bright future. So uh, ladies, you are son of being heir of God as well, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we're born again. Some people don't understand that terminology, but there's a born again experience. Nicodemus said, do I have to go back into my mother's womb and come back out again? No, that's physically impossible. But we're born into sin by sin nature. And by nature of man, uh, we become sinful. Now then we need a born again experience. We need to be uh, grace filled, saved by grace. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 14 says, says, and uh, King, uh, in the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson says, and he moved into our neighborhood. I like that. I, I like neighborhoods. I like to, we have teams that go out into neighborhoods and knock on doors and say, hey, can I pray with you? Is there anything I can pray with you about? They'll have a Grace t-shirt on, and they'll minister to the people, and they represent Grace Church very well. And we've knocked on nearly every door uh, in Hickory, North Carolina, and the surrounding areas, or at least have prayed for the people behind that door, okay? And so this is Jesus moving into the neighborhood. And if you move into a new neighborhood, if you move into an, a new occupation, if you move into a new school or school district, you need to know, like Janie says, you're taking Jesus with you. You are or may be the only Christ that some people will see. You might be the only Jesus. How do you act? How do you react? How do you present Jesus? And we truly would do that. We allowed our kids to do things in high school that maybe some other parents wouldn't. That's their call. This was our call. Uh, but we always said, now make sure you're taking Jesus with you. That's a, it's important that you know that Jesus is, is right there, but that never stops when you're in your car getting ready to wave at somebody, and you know what I mean. Jesus is sitting right there with you. When you're doing the wave, Jesus is sitting there with you when you're honking. Jesus is sitting there with you when you're mad or angry or, or you know, you're, you're downing somebody. We need to know that Jesus became flesh. He moved into our neighborhood right there with us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. Everybody say grace. grace. Say truth. Grace and truth. This is what Jesus was full of. This is what he presented. And we have a saying around here that we believe grace opens the door so that truth can be taught. 
And this is why we named the church Grace back in 2016, Grace. Grace is unmerited favor. That's what the word grace literally means, charis, K-A-R-I-S in the Greek, charis. Unmerited favor. We didn't earn it. We cannot, we, we can't work for it. It's like if you go to, to work, you go to a job, you have a paycheck, you're a contract laborer, you own your own business, and you ex- expect to get paid at the end of the job or at the end of the day, or when you bill someone, you're, you've earned that paycheck. We didn't earn God's grace. This is unmerited favor. It's just, it's just, he just gave it to us. It's, it's free. Can't be worked for. Do we need to work after we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior? Yes, we need to. It's a must. We, we must work. Paul, Paul says, show me your uh, faith and I'll show you my works. Show me my works. I'll show you my faith. It's, the two go hand in hand after salvation. But we can't work for our salvation. We should do many good things after we are saved. After we're Christ-filled, after we become a follower, however you want to term it, different denominations say different things, but if they believe in Jesus as lordship and they follow Christ, then we're in that ballpark together. So I want to tell you a, a story. Our son, uh, Andrew, is getting his master's degree uh, in, uh, from the University of Illinois and asked him if he knew or heard of the man named Adam Smith. Adam Smith uh, was a business leader a philosopher, uh, economist back in the 1850s. He uh, wrote the theory about being a capitalist. Now, we understand sometimes people say, well, that politician's a socialist or that one's a, a capitalist. They believe in, in capitalism. And so we understand. Drew said, yeah, I read most of the book, most of his book. And I, I said, great. What do you, you know, how, how, how does this line up? Because I want to talk to you for a moment, like if you were a business leader and then compare it then into the church or our Christ-type walk. In 1850-ish, Adam Smith said uh, in his theory that if the brewer, the baker, and the butcher perform to the best of their abilities, the end user would be blessed. In other words, if the butcher went to the finest, uh, uh, bought the finest cattle, butchered them, he would have the best steak, the best ground beef. If he raised his own chickens, he would have the best chickens, so on and so forth. If the baker did the same thing with the bread, and uh, anybody like the smell of like just homemade bread, it's just and phenomenal. In South Omaha, where we grew up, there were different bakeries. There was Orsi's, there was Rotala's, there was a big Wonder Bread plant, and you could smell the bread, and it literally filled you up just by the smell. It was breathtaking, okay? And so, but he said if the baker did the same thing with the bread, the baker didn't have to worry about what the brewer did or what the butcher did. If the baker made bread the best way, then he would, he or she would continue to get repeat customers and help. And what he was setting up was small business owners, those people who rely day in and day out, week in and week out on a paycheck, that if they don't have customers, they don't get paid, right? And so this was uh, his way. And then he talked about brewers. Now, my family, my grandparents all came over from Poland and Belgium, and yes, uh, we drank beer growing up. I know, don't damn me to hell. Uh, Some of you do that too. Not damn people to hell, but drink. So, Pastor, you saying it's okay to drink? I'm, I'm saying well, if we were being biblical and Paul was here, he might tell you to drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. 
Doctors will say that if you drink a glass of red wine each night at your dinner table, that uh, that's actually pretty good for your heart. I would say if you can't make it home without stopping and having four or five beers, you probably have an issue. Don't let the drink control you. You control the drink. Is that, is that all right? Now, some people have issues or, or problems with those things, and then we can, we can just pray afterwards and, and speak deliverance into your life. So, but that's not the point. Adam Smith talks about the brewer making the best brew, and we'll just say brew, all right, making the best brew possible for the people to buy, and then they become better for it because they actually have a good product. It's all about the product. This is how capitalism started, about the product and the end user, that the product would be better for the person. Now, I'm going somewhere with it. So that worked good for about 130 years, and then we fell into a, a financial crisis in the end of the 70s and early 80s. 80s, and there was, there was a, a mixture, there was a mess up in politics in the early 70s. They never got straightened out until the first part of the 80s, and Reagan became president, and he actually used JFK's economic plan. Let's use trickle-down economics, only it backfired. Trickle-down economics was never good, although it was meant to be. It was never good for the end user. Trickle-down economics started then to be more of a profit plan for big business. Before 1973, in the United States of America, from 44 to 73, there were no major layoffs. Like nobody laid off 1,000 people or 10,000 people. There were no strikes. In other words, unions existed, but they never walked out on people. America was a happy place and growing, but then politics took over. Big business started to take over. Give me an, I'll give you an idea. In my family, I'm the youngest of eight, and on Saturday mornings, my mother and father would go up to Fox's grocery store because they had a great fresh meat counter. And you could pick out, we never really ate steak growing up, but they had steaks, they had lamb chops, they had uh, roast, they had uh, ground beef, and they had anything you wanted, and they would cut it for you right there on the spot. Two of my brothers worked for Fox's. My brother, oldest brother Michael and my brother Marty, they worked for Fox's grocery store. And then my mom and dad would go across the street to Eminger's Bakery, and they would, they would buy bread at Eminger's Bakery. And it would be fresh bread. And they would buy coffee cake. And coffee cake at Emmerger's Bakery actually had coffee grounds in it. It was real, true European coffee cake. And they had the best uh, 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 cream puff, other than what Flavia Bolza makes. They had the best cream puff that you ever tasted in your whole life. And so they go from Fox's to Eminger's, and they go to Hinky Dinky, where my brother Tommy worked. And Tommy was a checker at Hinky Dink, and they would pick up the other supplies. And then on their way home, they would stop at a place called the Milk House, where my sister Peggy worked, and they would get fresh milk. And that was the way things were prior to 1975, is you counted on small business and the capitalistic approach that that small business owner was going to take care of you. The milkman, before they went to the milk house, would deliver milk at our, at our back door at 5 or 5 in the morning. Anybody ever remember the milkman? Yeah, a couple of us old people. And at 5 o'clock, my dad would leave, you know, some uh, a change or a few dollars in an envelope on the back step, not lock the door, and then they'd come drip, drop off the milk and then pick up the money, and we wouldn't see him for another day or two. And then big business started to take over. Big business kind of came in, and, and the big box stores started to, and Harold works for Walmart. This is not against you, Harold. I love you. You know that. 
all right? So this is not, nothing against Harold or Walmart. I'm surprised they're even open today because you're here. The business is down. He's got to slip in for church and he's got to go back. The, the big box stores started, not just in groceries, but other places. And I'll, I'll give you another idea. Remember when you used to go to the grocery store and they would bag up everything for you and they would take it out and put it in your car? It's like, wow, <laughs> this is service. No, that was culture. And then they, would, then they started saying, well, do you need a handout with that? Yeah, I, I can get it. And then they just push you the cart when the, afterwards. And then they start having you bag it yourself. And in some stores, you got to take your own boxes and bags. In fact, Janie reminded me this morning at dinner that, you know, or supper some, or breakfast, sometimes you have to buy the bag. Well, that'd be 15 cents for that bag. One store, you have to rent the cart. <laughs> I've, I refuse to rent a cart. I will carry that stuff. Marcus said, but you get the quarter back. I didn't know that. They're not getting my quarter. I didn't know you got the quarterback. <laughs> That's not my generation. And now, now you go in and you, you pay. Or you, of course, you pay. Please pay for it. You, you run the stuff through the, the, the scanner. Then you bag it or box it or whatever you're going to do. Then you put it in the cart. Then you take it out yourself. And you're paying more while you do that. Why? Because capitalism today isn't what it was 150 years ago. It wasn't worried about the end user. Now it's worried about profit. And the profit's on the head, not, not the tail. And so where it used to be, hey, we got to look out for the little guy, the little guy goes away, and the big guy. So in the last 30 days, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple have all laid off tens of thousands of employees. Why? Because the founder no longer is the CEO, and the CEO says, if we don't show a profit, my job will be next. So I'm going to go ahead and lay off 20,000 people over the next three months so that I can keep my... $300 million a year job. We have athletes that make $120 million a year. Things are out of order, all right? Things are out of whack. Things are not the way Adam Smith wrote the theses, if you will, on how to be a capitalist. And so what he would do today if he walked in America, he would look at capitalism and he would call it greed, so after 1975, when these things started to happen and layoffs started to happen and things started to happen, I'll give you one more. My good friend Mike Hager is a mailman. I remember when postal workers actually brought the mail to the house. Now they do in some old neighborhoods because they don't have, but then, then they moved the mailbox to the curbside. And then they took the mailboxes. Our block had a mailbox. Every block had a mailbox back in the day when I was young. Then they took the mailbox off because now you got to go find a mailbox somewhere. And, yes, I'm the person that when I get a bill, I like to write the check and take it to the mailbox the same day. Ask Janie. She says, you're crazy. They can wait a day or two. Nope, I'm taking it to the mailbox. Like someone's going to break in my house and steal the bill? <laughs> That's not going to happen. But I'm OCD that way. This is like, no, they write me a bill, I'm going to pay it, I'm going to put it in the mail, and we're going to go. And so, but i got to find a mailbox. I can't find a mailbox anywhere. And so then they moved the mailbox to the curb, and then on the, the neighborhood that we used to live in, now it's not even on the curb, it's on across the street, because the, the, apparently the mail truck only goes one way. 
The guy can't go across the street back and forth. And then in most neighborhoods, in fact, newer neighborhoods, you have a metal box with a bunch of little whole, you know, doors in it, and you got to get your mail when you drive in or out of that community. And they still lose $2 billion a year. Not because of Mike. He makes good money, but they're, they're not overpaying. They're just, it's mismanagement or something. What am I saying is that it becomes no longer about the little person. It becomes about the, the profit of the big person. Now, here's what I'm saying. Because churches tend to culturally represent or reflect the image of what's going on, but they're always about 20 years behind. In the, around the turn of the century, around 2000s, churches became bigger. Churches had to have bigger children's ministries. They had to have bigger youth programs. They had to have a, a, something that looked like it was just this side of Disneyland as far as a, a playground goes. They had to have coffee. And, yes, we do a lot of those things. The average big, huge church before 1975 was 300 people. Now if you're 300 people, you're a small church. Oh, you just got that small work. Yeah, just, that's all we're doing. We're, just, we're barely getting, making ends meet. A church of 1,000, there were only 30 churches of 1,000 people or more in 1978 in uh, the United States of America. Now they have mega churches and they have giga churches and they have super mega churches and they have super giga churches and churches running 10 and 20,000. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm not saying there is anything wrong with them at all, but what happens is we become consumeristic in our Christian walk. And if the church doesn't fit my lifestyle, if it's a, a little hardcore preaching, if it's too soft preaching, if, if the air is not working right, if the carpet's the wrong color, I don't like the taste of coffee, then I go somewhere else. I become a consumer, and the problem with consumer Christianity, it's the opposite of capitalistic. It says, if it doesn't work for me, I'm not going to do it. I understand people leave churches. We left churches. We left my father-in-law's church, and then we left the church that we held pastor, and then we went to the last two churches that we're pastoring. So this is not condemning. I feel like it's time to leave a church. This is leaving a church for the wrong reason. This is serving Christ for the wrong reason. I, mean, I can't serve Jesus for what he does for me because he's already done the best thing for me. He's laid his life down for me. That's why I serve Jesus. Now, I'll tell you something here about grace and truth. As it enters into the church and as people look for the best thing in church, well, I love the worship or I love the coffee or I love the, there's parking or I love, whatever those things are, they're not bad. That is not a bad thing. It's a feel-good experience. But once we get in as a Christ follower and we start to love on Jesus and we live for God, we need to move from grace to truth. If we move from grace to truth, then we understand. See, the word grace here, for by grace are we saved through faith, not of works. It is the gift of God, lest any man shall boast, right? So I'm saved by grace. So grace here is Jesus' salvation. Are we agree with that? If grace here is Jesus' salvation, then truth here is Jesus' Lord. Now, in the scriptures, 37 times as it pertains to Jesus as Savior, 37 times Jesus is Savior. The Bible says 37 times Jesus is Savior. 407 times it says Jesus is Lord. So if grace is salvation, then truth is lordship. We need to work on our lordship. We need to work on moving forward in Christ. 
I'll give you one more example. So we have a dog named Bo. We share Bo with Andrew and Emily. Andrew, if you didn't recognize him because he cut off all his hair, Andrew is the worship leader here in the middle. Somebody said somebody was, you're trying, there was an imposter up here because they wondered where all your hair went, Drew. And Emily, Emily on this, Emily's over here on this campus, and that's, they're married. And so we share a dog. Janie is over here. Janie's downstairs uh, serving the kids this morning. And so we, us four have a dog named Bo, a golden doodle, ah, 85 pounds, black, is real dark gray, kind of black, really a cool dog. And so uh, he'll be four years old, April 23rd. And so we get him uh, right after Judah was born on Father's Day of uh, June the 16th, uh, four years ago. And it's so the next day we go out to a place and we're, we're, uh, we've heard of a long story. We go pick the dog up. I was a no vote. I still say that today. I was a no vote. There's three yeses and one no. I was the no. Because dogs are a pain sometimes. Let's face it, right? They're, they're hard to... Man, they're hard to manage, they're hard to control, and puppies especially, and puppies don't always know to go outside when they do their duty. And so we're training, but we're going to sign them up for obedience class at one of the big box stores, all right? And so we go to the big box store, and we're going to sign them up. We sign them up. They take the check or the credit card, whatever, debit card, and, and they say, okay, class starts next week. You can bring them at two, you know, Tuesday night or whatever time it was, a day. So we bring them, and the lady walks us through it. And, and uh, so we're, we're learning, and there's like 12 other dogs there, and none of them are well-behaved. And, and so like, man, just, is this going to work? And then she informs us after that class, she's going to be out of town for three weeks. After we give her our credit card and we have the first class and the first class doesn't go that well and then we're out of town on the fifth week so we know none of us are going to be there. We say, all right, we'll miss, we'll, we'll jump back up. When we come back in from out of town, she's gone two more weeks. And so we were paying for something that we're not getting, but their profit is up here. They don't care about the end user. Hear me for a second. This isn't a business class. I'll relate it to church. We have a lady in our first service named Stacy who owns a, a dog training company, and she's been a godsend. She came last year, and last July, she trained Bo for us, and like Bo's a new dog, but she, she does it on a personal level. Now, this isn't an advertisement. If you want your dog trained, come see me or Andrew and Emily, and they can hook you up with the right people. What I'm saying is because they, she's not worried about her profit is locked in with how people feel, not a big box store. And again, I know some big box stores exist. They do a good job. I'm not knocking that. I'm saying this is what happened to the church. We look at how can we get somebody saved, but we forget how can we get somebody discipled. How can we get somebody to grow in Christ so they're not always walking around the same tree? In Numbers, I think it's around the 27th chapter, the Bible says, God speaking to Moses, how many times are you going to walk around that same mountain, Moses? How many times are you going to continue to do that? And I think God says the same thing to us. How many times are you going to walk around that same issue, that same problem? And he's looking at the church to help disciple people. And the church will disciple people, so we decided to have a discipleship class. Yes, you should join. Is it for me? Yes. Pastor, is it for me? Yes. Lester, is it for you? Yes. Join this stupid thing. <laughs> I know you're not supposed to say stupid. Join the amazing discipleship class. I'm looking for your name on it. Why do I point Lester out? Because this guy won't miss a service. 
He loves God. He fell back in love with God. He got baptized. You know, he's, you're never too young nor too old. I'm not saying that you're old either. I'm saying it's great to see young converts come to Christ, but we can't leave them there. We have to educate them and mature them. Why is it that other people, mainline denominations, have catechism and Sunday school, all those things, and the Christian church has forgot about it all? Well, I'm in a small group. Great. You go to dinner once a month. That's not a small group. Wow. See, raw and unedited. Is it okay? Is that all right? If I just talk to you for a moment? Church. Church. Your soul weighs in the balance. And yes, grace on repeat is amazing. Grace is incredible. Just like a capitalist is incredible when it resolves around small business owners earning their keep, making their paycheck, going on a vacation, doing all those things, missing church because they're in Costa Rica or Belize or the Bahamas or wherever else you guys go to all the time. God bless you. That's good, but you're in church when you're in town, and you're almost always here by the end of the first song. <laughs> almost always. I'm sure you're looking for a parking space in the lot. If you just get up 10 minutes earlier, you'll be okay. And we save you the front row. Part of it is because nobody else wants to sit in it. But you guys are smart. You know if you come a little bit late, you get, that, you get your best seat. Small business owners are the core of America, but they're also the core of the church. Why is that? Because they understand that if they don't succeed, they don't have a job. They don't get a paycheck. Church, if we don't grow the next generation of believers, the church dies. The church dies up. And if we're not pouring into someone who's a new convert in Christ, then it's our fault. It's not theirs. So let me give you a couple things. I'm going to finish this message next week, but let me give you a couple things as it relates to theory. If Paul walked into the church today, he may not recognize the church. Where, where's the, what, what are we doing? You know, what are, why, why are we here? Or is it just in and out on a Sunday for an hour and 10 minutes, and then we just go live the rest of the week like it doesn't belong to anybody? And we come back in and we take the mask off and I gotta, I'm going to serve God for another hour and 10 minutes. We should be serving God 24-7, 365. That's what we're called to do. Listen, and you can start small. If it's just reading a scripture because you never read the Bible, then read a scripture. If you read a scripture, but don't, maybe you should read a chapter. If you read a chapter, maybe you should read a book. If you read a book, maybe you should start reading through the Bible in, a, in order. Maybe it takes you all year. Maybe it takes you a decade to read through the Bible, but you need to at some point in time read through the Bible. You need to know that what I'm reading up here and saying up here is accurate and true. So Jesus as Savior, 37 times. Jesus as Lord or truth, 407 times. So how do we move from Savior to truth? The first one is that you can find grace. We talk about that. In fact, the first time the word grace or favor is mentioned in all of the Scripture is Genesis, the sixth chapter. So if you would like something to read this week, go home and read Genesis, the sixth chapter. The world was an evil place. Similar like it is today. You can't... Trust a lot of people, politicians or different ones who have different angles, maybe in some cases big business, and they're always out for the profit. They're not out for the person. 
The church can't fall into that trap where it just is about how many we have on Sunday morning. It needs to be about how many are we ministering truth to the week. How many are we looking out for? How many are we crying over in our prayer time, our devotion? Janie and I try to call out as many names as we can every morning to our devotion. People that the Lord drops in our spirit, we pray over them, we cry over them, have no idea if they're going through anything or not. We have to be in each other's space so that we can grow. So Noah, in this, in this horrible atmosphere and situation, God tells Noah, uh, I found favor or grace upon you. Now go build me a boat. And it takes him 100 years to build the boat. Well, some theologians are saying, well, I, I calculate 55 years. Another one calculates 120 years. It took him a long time to build a boat. We got too many people studying the Bible for the wrong reason. You're studying the Bible and people are going to hell. Stop getting around the kitchen table and start hitting the streets and start being Jesus to people that it really matters to. It's important for us to live Christ daily in front of other people. Amen? Bible studies are good and necessary. We're going to talk about it. But if the Bible study doesn't get us active, then the Bible study is no good. Well, Pastor, I can tell you three things you said wrong today. Praise God. I can tell you ten. God measures the heart. And so Noah found grace or favor with God, but then God put him to work. When you find grace, to move from salvation, grace, to truth means now we have to get busy. Now we have to get, yeah, but I mean, the message wasn't any good. I'm going to stop going there. Like their coffee's no good anymore. I mean, they want me to serve. Can you believe that? I ain't serving. I just want to slip in and slip out. You just want to be on the treadmill of grace and have everybody feed you all the time. Even the baby, it's beautiful to see a baby born. Beautiful to dedicate a baby. It's hard work raising that baby. It's difficult. There's nights where you're going to cry. There's nights where you're going to be awake all night. There's nights where they're going to be sick, and you've got you've to pray over. There's nights where you're going to, I don't know what to do. Oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Look at the way this world is. There's nights where you're going to sweat. When we walk and say, are saved by grace, it takes a lot of work to make Jesus our Lord and Savior. Now the work begins, so he found grace. When different uh, leaders have asked me what biblical character that I think I'm most like, I, I, I want to say David because, you know, David's a worshiper and David messed up and he was still in God's heart. I, you know, I want to say Paul because he was so knowledgeable. Even though he murdered people, Barry, sometimes I feel like I want to do the same. I just want to slap him, maybe not kill him. I just want to beat the tar out of him. So I want to be like Paul. Of course I want to be like Jesus, but I always say Noah. Why is that? Because Noah got his family on the boat. Noah got his family on the boat. So if you're struggling today with what to do with your kids, get them in church. If you're struggling today on how to raise your kids, get them in church. Get them in a children's program. Get them in a youth program. Get them, get them here. Get them, get them in a place where their presence can be felt. Why is that? Because the Bible says if you train a child up in the way that it's going, they'll never depart from it. They'll always come back. And that's God's word. That's not our word. You send your kid off to college, you don't have to be afraid if the college is going to change them. If you've raised them for the first 18 years in the fear of the Lord, 
Somebody's not going to change you. Whenever we, sometimes we'd get a sitter for Bo, and Bo was being trained, and, and uh, Janie would say, what if, like, what if they mess him up? Honey, if we've trained him for the last eight or nine months right, somebody's not going to mess him up over two days. And it's the same thing with the college is not going to mess your child up if you trained him in the fear of the Lord. They're going to change the college. We have too many people sending their kids off to school afraid. Send them out boldly before those wolves and in the lion's den and say, God be with you. No man should be against you. We've got it wrong. We've brought this consumerism in our, well, how can the church bless me? How can you bless the church? What can you do for the church? We should have had a bunch of serve teams out in the lobby today just letting them come out and you know, condemn you into serving. I don't want to do that. I don't want to condemn you into anything. I want to love on you and just say, listen, church, we, in order for moving from grace, salvation, to truth, lordship, there's going to be some work to be done. Let me give you one more we'll pick up next week, and that's Zachariah. You need to shout grace. I've said story after story about this, and I probably don't have enough time, although I'll give you a couple quick things. Zechariah was the prophet. Zerubbabel was the leader. The walls of the temple were demolished. Zerubbabel needed to rebuild the walls of the temple and didn't know how to, do, how, how to go about it. So because he didn't know how to go about it, he sought the prophet Zechariah. And Zechariah says, let me give you a couple things, Zerubbabel. Let me, let, me share, let me share this with you. And so he says, what? He says, listen, the Bible, the, the Holy Spirit tells me to tell you, this is Zechariah telling Zerubbabel, it's not by your might nor is it by your power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. So you find yourself in a tough place. How can I get out of this? How can I grow from this? How can I beat this addiction? How can I stop this? Whatever it is in your life is not by your might and power. Stop trying. Start believing. Start walking in the faith that God has issued you, that, that, that spirit of the living God that moves you from grace to truth. Jesus is full of, both, full of both. And if grace opens the door, Pastor, you don't love me anymore. No, I love you more than ever. That's why I'm trying to speak truth into your life. We have raised, not we, the church world in general, has raised a bunch of lazy Christians who don't want to do anything but feed me, feed me, feed me. You can say, ouch, that's okay. It's truth. You call a work day and I'll have five guys show up. Four of them will want to be there. Janie's teaching Sunday school downstairs because she couldn't get anybody to fill in. The pastor's wife who leads worship had to be downstairs both service today because no one would answer the phone. Ouch. Pastor, just being real today, I hope you come back next week. I want you to. Wouldn't blame you if you don't. Now, you're not going to hear that in any church building seminar. Right now, the board's on the phone saying, dear God, get him off the platform. So pastor's gone. Pastor's gone rogue. Not true. It's for your soul. Once we, be get, once we get saved, once we understand grace, then it becomes lordship. It becomes truth. And Zechariah tells Zerubbabel, it's not how you're going to do it. It's how the Spirit leads you to do it.
So he says, the first thing, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The second thing, he says, take that mountain, whatever that mountain is in your life, and you shout grace to it. Two most important words in Scripture that you can ever shout, the first one is Jesus, and the second one is grace. If you have an issue in your life, if you have a struggle in your life, if you have a problem in your life, if you have anything in your life that you can't overcome, you start shouting Jesus and grace to that problem, Jesus and grace to that problem, Jesus and grace to that problem. And the Bible says, Zechariah speaking, that'll just melt. God tells him, those those mountains in your life will just melt. In fact, Jesus said, if you speak to the mountain, it'll be removed, whatever that mountain is in our life. If you have faith of a grain of mustard seed, just speak to that mountain. So we're moving from grace, we're moving from receiving to truth to giving. I know it's hard. I know you don't like to hear a message like this. You know, I want the guy that tells jokes and talks about his family. I want the, I want the feel good. I want to leave here feeling good. Feeling good is like good dessert. It makes you want more and more and more. This is a broccoli message. Broccoli, I hate broccoli. And Janie makes the best broccoli in the world. I hate it. I don't want broccoli, Michael. (laughs) Put some cheese sauce on it, mix it with some rice, make it a casserole, I'll be all right. But I want that fresh baked bread. I want strawberry shortcake. I want chocolate pudding. Give me a bunch of sugar. That's not good for you. Hearing me speak every week about stuff that just pumps you up, that's not always good for you. What's good for you is truth. Zacharias says, shout grace to that mountain. That mountain be come down. One more. Come on back, worship team. And then I'll close. I'm going to finish Zachariah next week. Zachariah gives him a couple more directions, and I'll talk about them next week. But what what he's telling Zerubbabel is this. Listen, Zerubbabel, you can do it. It, It's tough, but you can do it. It's going to be hard, but you can do it. And Zerubbabel Zerubbabel really wants Zachariah's pity. Zachariah's like, I'm not going to cry with you, man. I'm not going to pat you on the back and say, don't worry about it. You don't have to build the walls of the temple. And I, I guess that's my position today. I will cry with you, with you, but then I'm going to say, here's what we need to do. Here's what's going to take place. You might have to fast. You might have to pray. You might have to worship. You might have to read your word. You might have to study to show that self approved in the God and work and not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You might have to understand for a moment that this is life and death and heaven and hell. Pastor, I said the prayer at seven, got baptized at eight, man, I'm good to go. Are you? Or do you passionately burn for the glory of God in your life? Man, I thought I was coming here because I thought it was a soft church. Like, man, anything went. No. You can do all things through Christ. And Paul said, I can do anything I want, but not all things are good for me. And some things are a stumbling block to others, so I shouldn't do them for at all. Stand with me this morning. Thanks for letting me just kind of talk to you today. Thanks for letting me kind of maybe even just vent a little bit. But the reason I am is because I love you and more so because the Father loves you. And I'm not saying you have to get your act together. I'm not saying you have to sign up for discipleship. 
I'm just saying, check the spirit in you and ask yourself, why wouldn't I want to do what God wants me to do? Am I just taking things by grace? Or can I be that truth person, not legalistic, but can I be that person that lives in truth that says, hey, I'm going to walk this out. I'm asking you to challenge yourself and maybe, maybe you want to come up to the altar and just find a place to pray. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to pray over you unless you need someone to. Maybe you want to find yourself a chance to pray and just say, hey, I'm, Lord, I'm going to ask you, have I made you Lord or are you just my Savior? Like, I'm good to go, but I never go to church. I'm good to go, but I never serve God. I'm good to go, but I never, I never really thank Jesus. I never have a thank you time for Jesus. I'm good to go. You're, you're good to go where? Because the Bible I read and the service I see are people that they gave up their life so that we could preach this word today. And are we willing to do the same? Or is it all about big box business and big box church? Let me pray. Altars are open if you want to come. We're going to sing one more song. Father, Lord, I just spoke what you had me speak. And I, I, <laughs> I ask for forgiveness if it's, if it's me and not you. But Lord, I pray today that you would just help us move from grace to truth, that we would speak truth into each other's lives, even if it seems a little painful, that we'd speak truth over people's lives. We would declare, we would proclaim, we would profess. Father, I speak today, Lord, that as we open the altars, if people want to come, let them come, Lord, that they can just find you again and, and, and be ordered by their steps, be ordered by you. We love you. Thank you for the people of Grace Church and help them, Father, Lord, to continue to grow in you, in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Altars are open if you want to come. God bless you.
stuck out to me was the dog training because I was a part of it. But um, so we went to the big box store. They're not bad, but our experience just wasn't the best. Um, our trainer there, she, we went to the first class. We're trying. We have no idea what we're doing. We're there, but we have no idea what to do. And she's just, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. I'm like, okay, I'm trying. She's like, well, you're not doing it right. You're doing bad. You're bad owner, basically. <laughs> and I thought, what a picture of sometimes what we do with discipleship is we invite someone to church and we say, all right, you're here. Go ahead. Do it. And they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. You do know what you're doing. Can you show me? And we're like, I gave you the paper. Do it. And they're like, well, I don't know. But then we went to Stacy. It was a completely different scenario. She took us and she personally taught Bo and she took the time and she walked him through why he was doing these things. And she showed us, you're not bad owners. You just need the proper tools. So sometimes maybe you bring someone to church. That's a tool. That's great. But then after that, walk them through, give them the other tools, give them a Bible, teach them how to pray, um, teach them just that Jesus loves them. Sometimes people don't know that. They come to church and they're like, okay, I'm here, now what? And I feel like when we were at the big store with the other trainer, we left so frustrated and so defeated because we had no idea what we were doing. And sometimes I feel that's why people leave the church is we're not properly giving them the tools and they get frustrated and they leave and they're mad at Jesus when really we just needed to give them the proper tools and um, so that's just what I got I encourage you please sign up for that discipleship class they're having whether you need to know how to discipleship some someone if you're the one who needs the discipleship it's going to be an awesome thing you can sign up in the lobby for that it's going to start February 8th so I encourage you to do that uh, let's just close in prayer Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for um, each and every person who came out today, God. I pray that we would uh, truly know, Jesus, that you are everything that we need. You are all we need, God. And I pray that um, we would use the tools that we have and that we would share them with others, that we would show them the proper way to um, come before you, God. And that's just with a simple faith. We, we make it complicated sometimes, but it's simple. It's just to love you and to serve you and to show others um, your love, God. So I pray that you would just go with us through this week. Help us to truly show your love. Help us to um, just have a great week. And uh, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. Happy Sunday. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.